Dear God, first we would like to thank you for all you've done for us and for gathering us all here this morning. Thank you for your undying love for us and for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you for always being with us wherever we go and for planning our, li out, our life out for us so that we do not have to fear. We pray for our time this morning together and that you would open our hearts to hear your word, Lord. We praise you because you are good no matter what. Thank you for this Youth Sunday and for all the youth on stage this morning. Thank you for this amazing community surrounding us with joy and happiness. I pray for this coming week to be good of full and pleasant moments. We also pray for peace and that you will provide for those who are suffering due to hardships. God, we know that the world we live in is broken and in need of your light. I pray for the lost that they find their way to you. Help everyone in this room to be a source of your light and that we spread it all around us. We are vessels of your love. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, our scripture reading is the story of the prodigal son from Luke 15. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to feed his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, his sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the other son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when you kill this son of yours... But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with wild living comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. <laughs> My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But... But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. 
He was lost and now he is found. And now we would like to invite up Becca, who will be preaching this morning. Go knock their socks off. <laughs> We will not be killing any sons this morning. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, thank you, Rachel and Jenna, for that, for leading us this morning. To all of our students who have been up on stage on team and hosting for us, it's really amazing to get to see you, use your gifts, to hear your laughter and your joy, um, and to have you lead us this morning. Uh, It's my deepest prayer for all of our students and for all of our kids as they grow up within our church that they come to know what their place is within our body, that they feel like they are known here, that they have a spot here that um, tells them that they're valuable, they're important, and that they're needed. Because we all understand what it's like when we don't belong somewhere. It's a feeling I think most of of us in this room can relate to. Sometimes it can be in a simple situation, like walking into an opposing team's arena or stadium, and we're wearing the wrong colors, or we're rooting for the wrong team. We might stick out like a sore thumb, um, and it can be very obvious in those situations that we don't belong there. Maybe we're not even welcome there and in that place. Other times, maybe we find ourselves in a social situation. Uh, or even in the midst of friends or family, even in the places that we might know people and have them know us, we can have this tension within us that feels like we don't belong. Sometimes this happens when things are new, when we're starting at a new school or a new job, when we've moved to a new community, when we've tried a new church. It can take a while for us to find our place, to find where we fit. Usually that happens after we've made some connections. We've gotten to know some people. We found where our locker and our classes are. We know the systems. We know where to sit at lunch and who to eat with, who our friends might be. And all those things, all those connections that we build can help us feel like we belong, can help us feel like we are known, that we have a place there. At the very least, we have someone we can eat lunch with. That's a very important thing. But that doesn't always happen. We don't always find a place of belonging in our social situations or out in our lives. This was true for me actually when I went off to college. I loved Westmont, I had a great experience there, but I never felt like I belonged. And this was highlighted for me in a couple ways. One was in the way I dressed. Most of my classmates were wearing Chacos or Birkenstocks, and this was before Birkenstocks were mainstream and cool and everyone was wearing them. And they were wearing running shorts and baggy t-shirts, and some of you might be thinking, that sounds about right for a college student, and maybe it was, and I just didn't get the memo, because I was going to classes in my ballet flats and my skinny jeans, and I kid you not, I wore a button-up that had these huge rhinestones on the collar, and my hair was, I was like, I was very ready to go. I looked like probably I was going to work instead of a college class. But I very clearly did not fit with my classmates. I very much stood out and stood apart. But even more than that, I never felt like I had deep connections. I never felt like I really had people who knew me and that I knew them. That I could just be myself with them. And I could feel the difference of this because I had other places in my life, the friends I had at home or the friends I worked with at camp, who I did feel like I belonged with, 
who I had deep connection and friendship with, who I felt like knew me. And so when I went to college and I didn't feel that, it was hard to be there. But I was there for four years. It can often feel lonely and isolating, and we wonder what God might be doing in these places that we feel like we don't belong. What does it even mean to belong? What does that look like for us? Well, I think, again, it comes with those connections, being known and having other people, or having other people that you know, that shared relationship. I think it's being with community, not just existing in the same place together, but having those relationships that give us a deeper understanding. I think presence is a big part of that. Communication is a big part of that. Being vulnerable also contributes to how we feel like we belong. It can be easy, right, to not feel that, to feel like we're missing out or we're left out, to feel lonely even when we're surrounded by people. We know what this is like in our world and maybe the different places we find ourselves throughout our lives, but I think it can also happen within the body of Christ and within our church. So what happens when we don't belong or we don't feel like we belong here? We read earlier the story of the prodigal son. And I think this parable can help serve as a case study of sorts on what happens when we don't feel that belonging or understand our belonging or we feel like we're missing somehow. So we're going to spend some time in this text this morning, in this story this morning. And before we really kind of dive into this, I just want to give us a quick background, a quick look at the context of this story. This parable, which is another word for a story, it comes in the middle of the book of Luke. It's in Luke chapter 15. And it's in the middle of Jesus spending time with what it says here at the beginning of this chapter with tax collectors and sinners. And the Pharisees see this and they grumble about it. Look who this man is spending time with. Look who he is choosing to hang out with. I would say there's some judgment in that phrase. They don't feel like who Jesus is hanging out with belongs with them, within their presence, within this community. And so Jesus is in the midst of this conversation. And before he gets to the story of the prodigal son, he tells two other parables. One is about a lost sheep and one is about a lost coin. Each of these stories points to the importance of what it is to be found by God, of what it looks like to come back to find your place, um, often we talk about repentance within the theme of these stories. And it tells us that each sheep, coin, son is valuable and important. We don't want anything or anyone to be lost. It means that they belong, that they have a place. They're worthy of being celebrated. And we'll talk a little bit more about this theme of repentance a little bit later. But as we look at the story today, it's my hope that we can use this as a, as a tool to help us better understand what it means that we belong here and within the family of God. Well, if we know anything about this text, maybe we can recall Sunday school days of teaching or being in Sunday school where we heard this story. There are two sons. There's a younger son and an older son, and they have a father. And they each do and act in different ways, and they have different responses to the events that happen within this story. 
And we're going to kind of look at each one of them and what they might be able to tell us about how we can understand our belonging. We'll start with the younger son. We see him first. So he goes to his father and he says, Dad, I'm paraphrasing here. Dad, I, would, I know there is some money coming to me when you pass away. I have an inheritance. I would like it now. And his father gives it to him. He gives him that money. And his son takes it and he leaves. He goes to another place, another country far away from his home. And he lives kind of a wild lifestyle. He lives extravagantly and recklessly, and his money runs out. He spends it all. And he finds himself to be in this place where he is now in need. To the point where he goes and he finds a job, and he's working feeding the pigs. And he is so hungry that he wants to eat, he has a need to eat that pig food that he's feeding to the pigs. That's how hungry he is. I think you have to be pretty hungry and in a pretty desperate situation that the pig food looks like your best option. And so as he's contemplating this choice he might have to make, where he's so hungry, he remembers something. He remembers what it's like to be in his father's household. How even the lowest members of, those household, of that household had plenty to eat. They were not in need. And he wonders if maybe his father might take him back. He wonders if maybe he might be able to go back. He knows he'll need to apologize to have any shot of making that happen. And so he gets up and he goes and he starts planning out what he's going to say in the hopes that his father might take him back as a servant. So as we look at what this younger son has done, I think we can make a few inferences from his actions. One, it seems that his family is fairly easily left. It doesn't seem like it was terribly hard for him to get up and go. Maybe he felt like he didn't belong there, that his family wasn't worth staying for, or maybe he believed that his family, it would be better for his family if he was no longer there. It'd be better for everyone, maybe no one would miss him if he left. So he does, he goes. And he lives in a way that he thinks will matter to him. But as we know within the story, as he's living in this foreign country, he doesn't find belonging there. He probably made some connections. Maybe he had some friends that he hung out with in this other place in this far off country, but no one's there to care for him in his time of need. No one to let him stay with them, to even give him a warm meal. He has no, con no connections, no one to care for him, no place of belonging. When we belong somewhere, people care for us. They meet our needs. If we can remember a time where maybe we were in need or a family member was and we had people show up, maybe they brought us a meal or they drove us to an appointment or they offered to carpool with us or even just sit and be with us in the midst of our trials and our struggles and our sadness. When we belong somewhere, people show up and care for us and he doesn't find that in this new place he is. But he remembers a place where it did happen, where his need was met. And so he returns home. 
before he does, right, he thinks about the fact that he's rejected his father. So he can't go back and be a son. And his view of belonging within his family, it is finite, it is not eternal. His belonging is conditional, based on how he's acted and the choices he's made. He truly believes if he grovels hard enough, his dad might let him back as a servant, but not as a son. He's correct in thinking that he hasn't done anything to earn that status of son, but his belonging within that family is not earned or worked for. And we see this in the father's response to him. So if that's the younger son's point of view, what is his father doing in the midst of this? Well, in the beginning of this interaction, his father hears him, hears his request, meets that request, and lets his son go. Any parents in this room know what it's like to have to sometimes let your kids make their own choices. And that it can be a hard thing to do. I think it was hard for my parents to let me make some of the choices I've made in life. And so he lets his son make his choice. And as the son goes, we don't know what necessarily the father is doing in this time. But I would, I would guess that there's some element of waiting for this son, of hoping to see this son again, because it says that his father sees him. Well, he's still a long way off. His father is looking for him, and as he sees him, he runs out to greet him. His father is not hanging out in his home waiting for the son to come and grovel. He is not sitting high and mighty and, and maybe he will extend mercy to the son. As soon as he sees him, he goes out and he greets him. In fact, he doesn't even let the son get an apology out all the way. But instead, as he sees the son, as the son is speaking these words, he calls for a new set of clothes for the family ring, for the fattened calf to be killed so they might celebrate his homecoming. In his father's mind, this son's belonging as a part of their family never changed. His status as a son was never in question for his father. He is fully restored, fully wanted, fully loved and celebrated just because he's his son. Maybe at some point there were some conversations about consequences, because consequences are real. But in this moment, it is just joy and, and relief and excitement that the son has returned home. Often right here is where we can talk about repentance, what it is for this son who went on his own way to turn and come back and be with his father. And we can see ourselves in that as people who have strayed, who have chosen to live apart from God in certain ways, and we all have done it. We all can identify with this and what it looks like to come and to sit at the cross and find mercy that our Heavenly Father extends to us. And as we see this father in this story pick up his robes and run to him, calling for a fresh set of clothes and the, the fattened calf to be killed in a party to celebrate. It confirms that those choices that son made, those past mistakes, they don't negate his place within his family. And we know it to be true for each of us. Our mistakes, the choices we made, they don't negate how our father sees us. And if we think about God as a father and we are his children, our status as his beloved children, it's never up for the d debate. 
It is never in question. The mistakes we've made, the ways we've rejected him, never impact the way he sees us because of what Jesus did on the cross. Because of that sacrifice, because he took all of the ugly stuff in our lives, all of our sin upon himself, we get to live in the reality that no matter what, we are beloved children of God and we belong as a part of his family. That is always true about who we are. If we made a decision to follow, follow Jesus, if we live our life pursuing him, wanting to know him more, even as we are in the midst of this broken world, our status as his children is never in question. So we don't let the lies that we don't belong, that we don't have a place, that we're not good enough, tell us what our belonging is. Jesus has done that for us. So if that's true for the younger son, what about the older son? Well, as we come to this point in the story, um, the son has been away, working in the fields, doing his good and sonly duty, and he comes back, and this party is in full swing. The house is celebrating the return of his son, and as he hears music and dancing and celebration, he asks, what is going on? What is this party for? And someone tells him, we're celebrating the return of your brother, the son that has come, uh, come home back to his place as a part of his family. And if we remember how this story goes, this son is enraged by that. He is so angry, he refuses to celebrate and he refuses to participate. Instead, he stands outside. And so his father goes out to him. And he pleads with him to come inside and to celebrate, to partake in the celebration that they're all having. And the older son lets this father know exactly why he won't be doing that. This older son stayed. He worked. He put in the effort and the long hours. He has given so much to his family. As we read this text, you can almost hear the sense that he's the one who's deserving of this celebration, not the younger brother. He's the one who's put the effort in. And you, know, and you get this feeling that if he doesn't get it, then no one else should get it either. I think the older son's word choice in this passage is so telling of how he understands his place within this family. At one point, he refers to himself and he says, look at how I have been slaving for you and I've never disobeyed you. Those words tell us that he believes that his worth within this family is based on the amount of work he does, the level of performance that he brings. And the condition of his sonship is based on all that he's done for his father. And if that's his view for himself, that's the standard for himself and how he sees his belonging, it would also be true for how he sees the standard for everyone else. If we're to wrap up how this older brother views himself, it would probably be something along the lines of, I'm only good or worthy or valuable because of what I've done, because of what I bring to the table and what I can offer here. In fact, he believes this so much to be true that he doesn't refer to his brother as his brother anymore. He calls his brother, or he says to his father, your other son. There's no place for that brother in this relationship with him. 
He doesn't see him as worthy of holding that title within their family anymore. He withholds that place of belonging for his brother. And he is astounded at the choice the father made to welcome him back home. He's astounded at the fact that they're celebrating, that they threw a party. And he doesn't feel like he's received the same thing. He's never even gotten a young goat to celebrate with his friends. But he fails to realize that he had access to that all along. We're told all he had to do was ask. All he had to do was go to his father and communicate what he was feeling or what he needed and ask. It's a hard standard to live up to when our belonging is based off of our work, our performance, or what we can offer and bring to the table. And sometimes that can end up negatively impacting those around us as well. It can allow bitterness or resentment to build up in our heart. There can be places for anger and pain, things that need to be healed and soothed by the love of our Father. Sometimes it means that we don't celebrate what God is doing in the lives of other people or even within our own life. So as we wrap up this story, we think of the younger son who was willing to take on being a hired hand to be a part of his father's household again because he thought that's all he was good for. He believed his previous decisions only allowed him to be a part of this family up to a certain level. And his older brother probably would have agreed with him that that was true. But his father tells him something different. And then we have the older son who thought that his dad only viewed him as a servant. That was all he was good for, to work, to earn his place, that he only belonged because of what he had done and what he could offer. The younger son says, I'm no good for what I've done. And the older son says, I'm only good for what I've done. In both cases, they miss out on what their father is telling them. On what, on what the father is communicating to them about why they belong within this family. Because while we've talked a lot about these, these brothers and how they've lived and the, the actions that they've had, this story is really about the father. It's really about what he says about who his sons are that matters. We need to look at the younger brothers and their, or the two brothers and their stories because often we find ourselves within those places. We find ourselves within places that we feel like we lack, or we're not good enough, or we don't belong here, or feeling like we have to earn our place. Our lives need to be in a certain spot. Our relationship with Jesus needs to be in a certain place to belong, to fit within this community. That leaves us with an incomplete view of our belonging here. Because it is the father of this story who confirms and establishes the place for both of his sons within his family. And it's our father who confirms and establishes our place as children within his family and within his people. The father looked at his younger son and didn't hold his actions against him. Even given his absence, his recklessness, his rejection of him and his family, he never viewed him as anything other than a son. And similarly, he looked at his older son, and he went to him. He hears the anger and the, the pain 
and the bitterness that's in his heart, and he listens to him. He hears those things. And he affirms that he always had a place with him, that this son never had to work for it. He only had to ask. So as we look at the story, how do we understand our own belonging within the family of God? What does that look like for us? How do we understand our father? Do we see ourselves as the piece that doesn't fit? Do we really know what it means to be a child of God? Do we think that the family would be better off without us? Or that if we left, it wouldn't matter? Do we see ourselves as someone who keeps showing up for God and wonder where he might be showing up for us? Where is he at? What is he doing? Does he see us? Does he hear us? Does he know we're here at all? I think throughout our lives of following the Lord and being a part of his people, we can find ourselves in in different seasons. We can recognize throughout our walk, maybe we can look back and see when we fit within each of these places where we've had these questions. We've wrestled with our belonging, with our worth. I think really we have to ask if we deeply understand the love our Father has for us. Do we know what he says about us? Who he calls us to be? Do we believe it about ourselves? Do we believe it to be true for those who sit next to us and who are in community with us? For us to belong, it means that we are with the people of God, that we know we have a place there, that we are important to this place and to these people, that our past doesn't get to dictate whether we are accepted or not, that we don't have to perform in a certain way to be welcome here, but we belong purely because of the fact that our Father loves us. More than we could ever know or imagine, he loves us. And he calls us his children. It's the truest thing that could ever be said about who we are, that we are loved by God, that we are his. And it's from that place that we get to enter into community and that we seek to love those who are around us. For just as each son needed to experience the depth of his father's love, so do each of us. And we never stop needing to experience it. We have never journeyed far enough or too mature or seasoned in our faith to not need to experience the depth of our father's love, to not need him to come and heal the places that we hurt, that we feel like we don't belong. So I'm going to invite the band up, and we're going to have just a moment of reflection. I invite you in this time to think about where you are at. What are the questions or the doubts that have been on your heart? And I invite you to bring the places that you feel like you don't belong to our God and to allow him to heal them. That that we might understand that we are always his children and that he loves us. Well, may we go with the confidence this morning that we have a God who loves us, who has called us each by name and established our place within his family. And may you know that you belong. Amen.